Hey guys, welcome back to Dads of the Kingdom. It has been a little bit since our last podcast. Things have changed. Uh, we've gotten a little older, a little bit wiser, a little bit rounder. But we're back again. Excited to be with you, bringing lots of Disney news, uh, trivia, stories, to share everything and anything we love about Disney and how we travel there, we experience it with our families, how we consume everything and anything Disney. John, it's good to be back. How are you? I'm doing quite well, Terry. Thanks uh, thanks for suggesting that we we come back because, you know, you know what they say, the second time around is, is a little bit better. Uh, add, and with us tonight is we've added about another, I don't know, maybe 300 pounds in Nick Parlin. Nick Parlin, how are you doing? Oh, you're too kind. Yeah, what's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> when you said rounder, I'm nodding my head going, yes, yes, I am. Thrilled to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the pandemic is making us all a bit uh, more poo-shaped. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been able to get my exercises in, but that's that's about it. Everything else is, is not going very far. So like I said, it's been three years since we've recorded an episode, and so much has changed at Disney. It's constantly evolving, constantly kind of reinventing itself. We want to jump back into this. We thought, hey, what better time to talk about Disney again than in this strange time we bit of history we find ourselves in where we can't go to the parks, we can't experience it in person, uh, what better than to do than listen to a podcast and kind of reminisce and talk and share stories? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I, I see people online bringing out their own their old Disney cups and their mugs and their T-shirts and, you know, oh, I should have been here today or today we would have been at Epcot or today we would have been at Studios. And it's just kind of fun but also sad to see, you know, the connection that, that people have with Disney, especially in times that they can't go. So, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. What interesting times. John is, for those of the listeners who don't remember, John lives in the greater Florida area. Uh, he gets to experience, or he did get to experience, Disney on a daily basis if he liked. John, being there on the kind of in person, seeing the parks close, what is, what's been your take on just the Orlando area and how, how they, these guys are kind of dealing with Disney being closed? Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of interesting because you, you see so many people that that are impacted by it that you wouldn't expect to be. Because you know, remember Disney, you know, has about seventy five thousand employees, but they also have a, a quite a few other contractors and vendors and <clears throat> and companies that rely on them. So you know, we do drive through the property every once in a while, and it's uh it's kind of scary to see things as empty as it it is. I don't think, you know, in the 20 plus years or so that we've been, we've been going on property that we've ever seen, seen it quite that bare. Uh, and it's been that way for, you know, six weeks now. Uh, and it, it uh, hopefully will, will start turning around here soon. Something I find very interesting is I think if memory serves, this is only the third or fourth time Disney World has ever closed. Uh, I know one was for John. You might remember this. One was for a hurricane. Uh, one was for 9/11. They closed briefly, and then either this is the third time it's ever closed or the fourth time. Yeah, they closed a few times for hurricanes. Um, 
Uh, and then and then 9-11 they closed they closed early and the next day wow so well, yeah it's a big big impact there not to get too down in the dumps about the current state of disney we thought hey let's lighten this thing up let's uh, jump right into our first segment two truths and a lie uh this is a fun game we thought each of us could take a stab at uh come up with two things that are definitely true and one thing that sounds maybe not so true uh, and Nick, since you are our uh, new co-host, guest, oh boy, whatever we want to call it, we're going to let you kick this thing off. All right. So uh, how do you want to work it? I'll just give three of my quote-unquote facts, and then you guys choose uh, the two truths, and then choose the one lie. Is that how you want to play it? Let's do it. Sounds All right. Good. So um, I'm really struggling with this, guys. I know you guys are so well versed with Disney. So let's let's give it a stab at it, though. So, all right. So the brown wavy bricks in the Liberty Square represents raw sewage that could be flowing in the streets of Colonial America. So that's fact number one. Okay. Fact number two: John Lennon made the decision to end the Beatles while vacationing at the Contemporary Resort in 1975. And fact number three, Cars, the movie, features a white racing car with the Apple logo and the number 84, which refers to the year the first Apple computer was released. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And they could uh, all be false because, you know, everything you read on the <laughs> internet is true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like that uh, weight loss plan I was looking up the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, well, you're... the best day to start is tomorrow. So. <laughs> That's right. It's always tomorrow. You guys, you guys know my plan. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, I'm going to take a stab. The first one is 100% true. Uh, if you walk through Liberty Square, you look down at the ground, you can see the different darker colored bricks. That is 100% true. John, do you agree? I agree. I agree. Okay. Number two, uh, I think there's a bit of semantics. I know the John Lennon part. And ending the Beatles is 100% true. It happened at Disney. I can't remember if it happened at Contemporary or if it happened at the Polynesian. John? I, w- I was thinking it's the Polynesian. Yeah, so I'm leaning towards Polly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the third one, I feel like, is one of those things that you would absolutely see Easter eggy kind of hidden in a Disney film. Uh, I'm going to lean that that's true. And you change the specifics of the John Lennon story. Nick Parlin, what say you? You guys really are dads of the kingdom. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I did change the semantics a little bit. It was actually the Polynesian yeah. um, in 1974 yeah. as opposed to 1975. So, great job. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I, I, think... was, I was amazed, by the way. Like, I had no clue. I've seen cars. I've got four kids. I've seen that movie a hundred times. Never even noticed the white car, and then um, the brown bricks again. Never noticed that. And I went on to read that there were purposefully no bathrooms in Colonial mm-hmm. America as well. Um, That's right. Fuel that that level of realism. So yeah, you nailed it. Great job. Uh, that's one of those one of those things, especially the thing at Frontierland. I, I love that, especially because that's again. The casual Disney fan, as you're walking through, you never really look at the ground, right? But that just shows the level of imagineering and thinking and forethought that goes into the parks that sometimes is underappreciated. 
And the fun part was I read those to my kids and all four of my children shrieked, that's poop. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the next time we are all allowed to go back to the Magic Kingdom, you know, they're going to be eyes to the ground, especially, you know, when we're walking by, you know, Liberty Tree and all that. And there's the poop bricks. Yep. hundred percent. All right, John, you want to go I, next? I think you can go next. I got okay. a couple, but, but let, okay. I, I don't want to overlap. All right, so here are my three facts. When Pirates of the Caribbean opened, 1967, they used real skeletons as part of the ride. Lilo from Lilo and Stitch, the actress's name is DeVay Chase, is also the girl from The Ring. The last one, Disney World lets family members spread the ashes of those past at Haunted Mansion. Ooh, I think I know this. You think you know this? I think I know this. All right. All right. Well, I'll let you take the lead on it that, <laughs> since, since you think you know it. The ashes thing, I heard it. you could get booted from Disney for, you know, spreading ashes because they're like bio something. I can't think of the word right now, but not biodegradable. What is it? Biohazardous. Biohazard, yeah. Waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So That is I frowned I'm, upon. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm sniffing a lie with number three. John, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm in agreement there. I think uh, the at least the second one, I'm pretty sure, is correct, um, with Lilo being uh, being in the ring as well. Um, but the skeletons? Skeletons seem right, uh, just because of authenticity. But you know, and that was back in the time. Too. Well, but but that was back in the day when you know you didn't have you know all these craft shops doing the stuff. 1967, they were still smoking on airplanes, Nicholas. So come go. on, man. That's true. That's true. So, <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm still going to go with number three. Yeah. So the Disney. Now, this is the thing that's one of those urban myths you keep kind of hearing about people who will sneak uh, ashes onto the Haunted Mansion or on the Haunted Mansion ride, try to spread the ashes of their loved ones. This has happened at Disney. Um, not just a couple of times, but now a handful of times has happened. And every time it happens, they have to shut that ride down completely. They have to get the cast members in there and vacuum out the whole thing. And the sad part about that is, is they're just going to, they vacuum the ashes up and then they just dispose of them in the trash. So it was kind of a wasted effort. I understand the sentimentality of the thought, but a wasted effort. And I thought since we had been gone for three years, I would give you guys a bit of a softball and that was the softball. Well, that was awfully nice of you. Yeah, I think we, I think we needed some of those. I'm uh, probably not going to be as nice though. So, <laughs> I do have a question though. Like, do do we know where the skeletons came from? Who were the skeletons? Who got to be like truly immortalized in the ride? Okay, I have that. I have that answer for you. Yes. So, in 1967, when Pirates of the Caribbean opened, they initially had used fabricated skeletons. But the Imagineers thought they looked too fake, so the UCLA Medical School loaned uh, cadaver or medical cadavers, medical grade skeletons for the sc- from the school to Walt Disney World or to Disneyland to let them use them in the attraction. Now they are no longer exist. They did replace those a couple years later, but for a short time when the ride opened up, there was real skeletons. Look, kids, there's grandma. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's just, that's just wrong. You got to think about that a little bit more. That uh, 
I didn't need that much authenticity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jungle Cruise looks, you know, just equally as real, but they didn't need real animals, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, it's 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 the they they get the point. All right, John. You're up. So sorry, that's amazing. No, no, it's wrong. All right. All right. So my three, because I like numbers, have Uh-oh. to do with <clears throat> with uh, with many many numbers here. So the first number I will share is that um, in nineteen thirty six Oh, Walt, Walt Disney made a deposit for 51 acres of land to build his studio in Burbank. The second one is the Walt Disney World Resort. It, and it, this doesn't count the recent purchase, but it's 42 square miles. And the last one is is the initial size of Disneyland that was purchased was 200 acres in Anaheim. Wow. I uh I, I had I a win. Talk- I had a win there. <laughs> I <laughs> um you might as well have been speaking French or Latin or something because I didn't. Okay, so let's parse this out real quick. Um, 1936. 1936. Walt 50, Disney Burbank. 51 acres. Is that what you said, John? Correct. 1936, 51 acres. That's a long time ago. 1936. So that had to have been what? What year did uh, Snow White come out? 1930 oh man okay i'm going to say that one's true because off the heels of the success of snow white i i bet they they doubled down and when do you think that snow white was released though was it 1936 or is it before that or after that I'm thinking, oh geez. See, I could do an internet search, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to. I'm going to. Oh wait, that's not allowed. <laughs> wait, you have a computer in your closet? Nick. No Google. It's not a Google. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Snow White definitely came out before 1936. All right. All right. So the next one after that is is Walt Disney World is 42 square miles inside 42 square miles see if you would have done acreage i feel like i could have guessed that He's trying to pull a fast one a math fast one because yeah. he knows he knows the truth about us in numbers dang it dang it john it's almost nine o'clock golden girls is about to be on He's supposed to square the I, I watch them on hulu so i, I can watch them anytime oh <laughs> uh, okay what was the third one the third one is Disneyland's original purchase was 200 acres. How many square miles is that? <laughs> Maybe that'll help us. You're not this guy. Google Quickly. search. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Um, Carry the one. 
I want to say, all right, Nick, I'm guessing. I'm saying the first two are correct. I don't think Disneyland had that much acreage to start out with. And I'm going to go with number one. Some, some just doesn't feel right. Okay. Could be that I'm standing in my closet to do the podcast. And I'm really <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with number one right now. Okay. I'm going, for, we're going to split the difference here. I'm going for the third one. John, put us out of our misery. Well, it's actually the first one. It was 1937. Oh. It was oh. 1937. The new guy. Man. The new guy. This is this is the 2019 Christmas party all over again. And the 2000. Just a little context here. Um, how do I how do I so... kick you off this call? That's <laughs> that red button at the bottom. <laughs> Click. No. Oh, we lost. Hello, John. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I see how this is now. I'm, now, no more softballs for you two. I'm digging deep here. Well, you know, so one of us had to do it, so I figured it would be me. <laughs> and just to bug you, John, I want to break out like Jim Corcus's book and really find some stuff. Well, we're not allowed to talk about Jim. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really amazed though at that that footprint uh, in California for Disneyland. That's huge. I am too. Yeah. So. I'm a newer guy, right? And then obviously I love Disney, but not to the extent that both of you do. Um, was Disneyland in California, was it the same kind of deal as Disney World was where he bought, you know, kind of lesser valued swamp land, so to speak? Or how did that work? Yeah, he bought orange groves out there in Anaheim. So it uh, there wasn't much going on out there. And he can only buy so much space as far as what they allowed him to buy. But uh, um it was it was a city so that's why when he came out to florida and he saw th this much land they started buying uh the the spaces in florida in smaller chunks but but with different uh, you know other company names so that people wouldn't catch on because once once he bought the the, the 200 acres in anaheim people started catching on and say hey wait a minute we need to be by this place uh, and that's and that's you know that's that's why Florida was so much bigger because he was able to to buy more without <clears throat> excuse me without letting on as far as who who was buying it. That's yeah, so interesting. Florida provided him a buffer, right? So he had this huge swath of land that encompasses Walt Disney World Resort area to where when you drive on the property, you don't see anything else of Orlando. Um, that's not the case at Disneyland, right? You you walk out the front gates of Disneyland, and there's a IHOP across the street. You say that like it's a bad thing. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> who an IHOP? <laughs> Excuse me. All right. It, so true. that was kind of a, a way to warm us up to get our Disney trivia out there, have some fun with it. Uh, I like Two Truths and a Lie. It's a fun game. Uh, no more easy stuff for you two, though. Well, and I'm sure somebody's going to tell us at some point that that one of the things I said may have not have been true, but uh, um, I, I have I have the documentation to show it. I think I made it up myself, but it'll still show. And, and listeners, I highly <laughs> encourage you to fact check John here. He just sounds so convincing. Forty two <laughs> square miles, you know. John's got a little calculator out, you know. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> that, ca that Casio calculator watch is getting some heavy work right I now. Abacus. Listen, yeah. <laughs> Listen somebody's got to use those things. It, it, they don't make them for nothing. 
<laughs> oh gosh, I have I have an abacus story that will uh, derail us a bit, but. <laughs> I remember in uh, middle school, my uh, librarian handed me an abacus thinking I could use it. And I looked at her. I was like, why did you hand me this? And she was like, it's an abacus. And I was like, yes, I understand what it is. But why did you give it to me? She was like, you're Chinese, right? (laughs) You know, this is why we don't talk to people. This is why we don't have nice things. Uh, Oh. Stories of everyday racism brought to you by Terry Stacks. Yeah. Yeah, this this is maybe why we stopped doing the podcast three years ago. <laughs> and your answer was no, that's not correct. Uh with that, here's a transition into our next segment. <laughs> I'm gonna mute myself. <laughs> I guess John, I have to. Uh, ahead, we <laughs> we position this. We kind of place this. We, well, it, the early idea for this podcast was the fact that we are both dads. We're both family guys. Nick is the same way. He has a, a big family. They travel to Disney. Um, you know, for us now, it's all about how our families travel to Disney and how our families experience Disney. Um, let's think back to the early days and when maybe pre-kids think about our adult connection to disney because you know that love it might start early you might experience the park earlies but you know all through your adulthood you still have that connection with disney you still remember maybe that first thing you did as an adult there again nick you being a new guy we're going to let you kick your part off and then we'll jump into ours yeah so for me, you know, one of the very first places that I went when I got my car when I was 18 years old was, at the time, um, downtown Disney. You know, I lived about an hour and a half away, and it was, like, the coolest place to go. And, you know, all of our other friends were, were going there. So, you know, if you guys remember the Sosa family cigar um, down there. Had my first cigar there a couple days after I turned 18. Never been more sick in my life, but mm. you know, kind of <laughs> thought I was you know, on top of the world, cool guy walking around downtown Disney, you know, with my first cigar. Um, we used to spend quite a bit of time at uh, Pleasure Island, which, um, you know, a lot of great stories uh, coming out of there as well. And then uh, Virgin Megastore, you guys remember, you know, old school and then, uh, you know, late night cheeseburgers at the McDonald's that they used to have there. So a lot of fond memories, mostly of, you know, downtown Disney. We didn't go to, you know, the parks a whole lot um, back then. But, yeah, I did spend a lot of time at downtown Disney and some very fond memories of, you know, my friends and myself and, you know, just great times. What's funny is you can always you always can pick out the old school Disney people when they still refer to Disney Springs as downtown Disney. Yeah. At Disney Springs, right. MGM. Yeah. Disney Marketplace, that's what it yeah. was before. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, when I was 18, I was the person that I now hate to see at the parks. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the old, you know, curmudgeon now that's like, stop smoking around people, you know, and, and you know, you don't need to use that language. So, you know, I've definitely have grown up quite a bit, but back in the day, you know, downtown Disney was it. And it's just really formed that really strong connection that I have still with Disney. Right on. I, I miss the, uh, the the Virgin Mega Store. That, that that was one of the coolest places, and we, we hit it every time. And it, things were more expensive there, but 
it's that's a place you still wanted to go yeah it was great it had that like two or three levels they had books yeah. had you know a ton of cds they had a lot of a lot of great stuff and that was for us the first place we hit because that was kind of the gateway into downtown disney when we weren't parking over on the marketplace side you know last time we were at disney i think i saw that in a shirt walt disney world things are a little bit more expensive there <laughs> just, just a little bit <clears throat> and this is and this is the only thing they brought back for me on this on the vacation <laughs> john let's go uh, you've been uh you've been experiencing going to disney longer than nick and i have what is your adult connection with the disney the brand the parks the the everything so what are you saying you're just saying i'm older than you is that what you're saying I, i'm saying wiser <laughs> All right, that's a good that's a good uh, good idea there. Uh, so yeah, there there's just so much that that I remember, and it, and it's funny because, um, you know, when when I f- first moved down to to Florida, um, you know, wasn't married, didn't have any kids, and um, one of the things that that I liked doing was actually going to Epcot. They used to have uh, gaming systems um, at uh, at uh, the, the uh, the interventions area. So I would play the latest PlayStation's game games for a while, um, before going into work because I lived a little bit further out. So I would stop at Epcot, play some games and then go start my shift over at the Disney MGM studios at the time. Uh, which was, which was great because you know, when, when I would talk to my family later on, they would say, well, what did you do today? Well, I played some video games and then went into work. Uh, <laughs> But well, that, that was, what, expand on that a little bit, John. What what year are we talking about here? Uh, it was about ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so so interventions uh, west and interventions east, right? Did yes. both did both of those sections have video games in them? I think it was only the east. Um, okay. And, and I could be wrong on on the location, but I'm pretty sure it was it was just the one. Um, but they had uh, the Xbox. Um, they had some games there, and then they had had some other. Uh, I think some Playstations in there as well. But um, yeah, I definitely. That was one of the things I enjoyed. Now, I, if we were too busy, I didn't get to play because you have to stand in line, and I, I didn't want to take the controller away from from any small children. So if it was too busy, I'd just go around, and then I'd stop at the the uh, the coca-cola uh location and in those days it was uh you can actually walk through a, an exhibit with a caveman and uh, and how, how cold it is and it had the ice right yeah, like exactly the ice yeah. wow yeah. so i would just go through, through there get my little samples and then and then head over he, head over to the studios there but but uh, the best part was if i can play some of the games because i didn't have any of those systems back then um I was young. I was working and um, still had to pay <laughs> pay other bills. So any chance I got to play some of the some of the games was was a plus. Wow! So set the tone for John's day. If a nine year old was on John's Xbox, <laughs> that's right. You that's know, right. he'd have to walk over and you know drink a couple cups of Beverly to you know get the, oh. the better taste of loss out of his mouth before he started. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, we still tell our kids that that's what they have to drink, and they and I, I don't think either of them f- have fallen for it. 
And what kind of games? I'm just I'm sorry to 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 get kind of off track, but like, what kind of games did they have on the Xboxes and PlayStation? I kind of want to nerd out for a second. Yeah, there were a couple. There were a couple with Disney games. I think Aladdin was one of them, and then um, I think there was a football game there um, that I tried to play every once in a while. But um, they switched them out after a while, um, so it wasn't it, it wasn't all the same. And then they switched up the ones that they had on on, on the different systems, and and then the system started to break down, <laughs> so so you couldn't play the same ones. But uh, at some point, they switched over to it was all Disney titles so oh, funny what a so walk down memory lane i remember yeah. um, used to go on field trips to epcot every year starting in like third grade i vividly remember the coca-cola one with like the ice and everything that's great wow i had no idea john that's a that's a great share um i'm in a unique position to where i never went to disney as a kid the first time i went to disney world was when uh, my wife, we were just dating at the time. We were both in university. We both had a little bit of extra excess aid money from the government. We were like, hey, what's the best way we can blow this money and spend the next 30 years paying interest on it? <laughs> and nice, Walt Disney nice. World won. Um, so I think I was 22 the first time we ever went to Disney World. Um and for me, the first place we ever stayed at at Disney World was Animal Kingdom Lodge. We were like, hey, if we're going to go big, we're just going to do it and and do it up. I remember at the time, Animal Kingdom Lodge's rooms were like $350 a night. And I remember at the time thinking, my God, that's a ton of money. Who pays this much money for a hotel room a night? Um, and Apparently oh, you did. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and I wish you could still pay those prices today for those rooms. But um, for me, it's Animal Kingdom Lodge. You know, we eventually bought DVC there. It is our home resort. That lodge to me is like it ticks all of the kind of nostalgia kind of checkboxes, the smell, the visuals, the the animals. I mean, it's it's everything that makes me feel like I'm at Disney to the point that where if we go and stay at other properties, it doesn't, it never really feels quite as at home or quite as right than what we do if we stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge. I love that. So welcome home literally is welcome home. Like I 100%. Those I doors, those sliding doors open up, you walk in, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Jumbo House, and the smell is like the thing that I think immediately takes me back to the first time we went. Um, on the ground floor, you have Boma, you have Gico, you have two those fantastic restaurants, and that that smell. It's just this very distinct, very yep. warm smell to me. Yeah, we still love going in there. You know, these days we try to go to Boma's for you know, special occasions and those type of things. So yeah, I'm definitely with you there. So kind of staying in this vein, you know, we, we talk about we just talked about our adult connections, but now let's talk about our family connections, something that we've done consistently or experienced consistently with our family and how our family connects with Disney, the parks, the brand. Uh, this time I'm going to let John, you have what's great about for the listeners at home, what's great about the three of us here is we have a pretty uh, diverse group of ages for our children. John's kids are, are a little bit older and they experience the parks different. Nick and I have kids similar ages. I now have a six-month-old baby. 
Um, his first trip was going to be in May, but obviously that is canceled. So hopefully in August. Um, so Nick and I probably, our kids experience the park very similar ways, but I think it's a, di- a diverse experience because Nick has more kids um, probably getting pulled in many different directions. But John, I'd let you kick this thing off with you and your family and, and your girls and how they experience Disney. Yeah, so before I do that, I made one one small mistake as I looked at, at the paper that I pulled out about where these video games were that I mentioned before. They were in Innoventions West. Um, what was in Innoventions East was actually uh, a PC and an Apple computer, which I still love to do. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so the notes I made before were, uh, apparently, I just needed to find them so that we could talk about it. But I wanted to correct that in, in case somebody yelled at us over the uh, the, the podcast there. So, um, you know, for, for my kids... Yelled at you. Yelled that's at right, you. That's right. We yelled at Because they wouldn't yell at you guys. I don't know why they would. Um, but um, I think the, the, the one of the things that... Uh, um, that I'd like to share is, you know, Disney is one of those places that, um, that I really trust uh, the kids to, to kind of wander around at, um, uh, you know, with or with or without us, because there's, there's so many, so many, uh, points of security there. And, um, I, I remember that the, the first time we went and, um, turned the corner they you know they went running off but uh, uh we um uh we didn't worry because we knew that they could only get so far the park wasn't that crowded that day but um they um they definitely um uh, they definitely have their run of the park now and this is where they go on the weekends um to to cheat though and share a second favorite memory um it was actually the first time our oldest who is now 17 um, went into, went into the park and she was two weeks old. Um, and we had tickets to the, uh, Mickey's very merry Christmas party. Uh, we still have the video of her, um, looking up at all the lights and then the, the quote unquote snow falling down. Um, that's still one of my favorite memories of, of the kids in the park. Um, because they, um, uh, th- that was, uh, that was our first time as a, a, you know, family with, with, with a child. Uh, but it, it, uh, um, it's one of those things that lasts and we keep reminding our, our oldest of that, um, uh, as, as we go into the parks and she goes one way, we go to the other. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fun to, to continue that and then to, sh- to show them, um, how they experienced it and, and it helps change some of the things that, that, that they want to do at the parks then. Wow, I love great. that. Isn't yeah, isn't great. that funny how that works? Like it, it feels like Disney is the gateway to nostalgia, right? Like the park in and of itself, it's cool. It's got some great stuff, but every time we go, oh, do you remember the time where this happened? Or oh, do you remember the time when that happened? And you know, literally, you know, walking down memory lane, you know, we're we're going down Main Street and we're having all these great conversations about, oh, do you remember when you know our now nine year old was two? And do you remember when this? And exactly what you were talking about, John. Disney's just one of those places that makes you reminisce about such good times you know at disney and with your children and with your family and it's just it's magic yep yeah i agree uh great segue there nick go ahead and jump in and give us your family connection and 
and talk about how your family uh, experiences Disney. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So right now we've got four amazing kids. Uh, we're sitting at 11, 9, 6, and 3 next week. And my two oldest are my stepkids. So when I married uh, my wife, it was like instant family. And I hadn't been to Disney in a few years. And the first time that I went to Disney with kids, it was like being there for the first time. You know, I didn't really understand that term, you know, seeing it through a child's eyes until that first time with those two kids. You know, I never stood in line to see a character <laughs> before that. And I found myself anxiously waiting to see Pluto and Mickey and Minnie and Donald because they were just so excited. Um, Small World before that moment was just a ride that I went to because the line wasn't very long. But seeing their eyes and as you, you know, your boat went around each corner, you could just see that they were so excited. And then, you know, I didn't know games like Kim Possible, you know, existed because, you know, for me, Disney was a place where you rode rides and you just kind of walked around. So it was really great to see how the kids were just mesmerized at stuff. And it was fun to see what they stopped and they looked at and what their faces were like as they turned the next corner. And that was it for me. You know, I thought I was a Disney fan before I had kids but being with my children every time we go in the park now and seeing something new through their eyes just makes me love it even more. Yeah, that's great. I think that's exactly what, <clears throat> you know, Disney does better than anybody else is that nostalgia, the heartstring pulling that, you know, something you experienced and you can't wait to share it with your, with your family and your children. Um, for me, you know, every time that we go back to Disney now, we have, our daughter, who's five, and we have our little boy, who's, who's just six months old. Um, uh, we took our daughter when she to the first time at Disney World when she was six months old, and on that trip, she got to ride Dumbo because obviously there's not many rides that that infants slash or infants can ride. So Dumbo was one of the few that she got to experience, and she loved it. She loved those spinning rides, and to this day, it's still one of her favorites. But from that first trip uh, was a picture that her and I took at the stationary Dumbo that's now sits between the two uh, Dumbo rides that gives you a chance to take a take a picture. Um, we've taken that same picture every time that we've gone to Disney. So I have this great timeline of six or seven pictures of her and I sitting in that stationary Dumbo over the years from the time she was six months old to the time she... I mean, up until now, until she's five. And I get to see this great, like, just it's a great kind of time capsule moments of snapshots of her at different stages in her development in her life. It's something we'll get to share at Disney. And it's something I hope that we can continue and, and now add our, our son into and and share that, like, have that same thing. Like, every time we go, it's not just, yeah, we have to get that Mickey premium bar. We have to ride, you know, seven doors. It's yeah, let's recreate this picture every time we go for the foreseeable future. That's that. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, this is where we're going to take a break from our current lineup listeners, and we're going to transition into something that we didn't do initially because I, I think at the time, John. Uh, I don't know how much you could or couldn't say about your experiences at Disney for those of you don't remember 
John was a cast member uh, at some point. And he shared that story a bit earlier about going to work at MGM. Um, this is something that I love hearing. I love hearing about cast members and their experiences at Disney, kind of that behind the scenes information. I know a lot of Disney fans love reading that stuff and hearing those stories. Uh, John, this is a, I think, a great addition for our fans to talk about uh, working at Disney and what it meant for you and your connection and its story and it and how it's developed and, and where it is now and how it's how it defines, you know, you and your experiences there. Yeah. So, so one of the the interesting things is that you develop some good habits, um, some of them interesting habits, because one of the the things that came out of of me going through training and then being in training at, at Disney is is this very bad propensity to want to pick up trash. And I know it sounds crazy, but that mm. was a big thing is that if you <laughs> saw that in any part of the park and you were walking through, it was still your job to pick that up. So, you know, for me, it, it's, a, it's a bad habit. I haven't been employed by the company for, you know, quite a few years now, but I spent 20 years there. And every time we would go into the park, I would annoy my wife um, because, you know, I'd see trash and then just subconsciously just bend down, pick it up, keep walking and throw it away. And she would just look at me every time, like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Um, but, you know, it's it's a good habit because what it says is that is that you're preparing for the show and you want to make sure that things are uh, things are neat and things are in place. But it's also the experience that you want the guests to experience uh, with you. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're in the park working or you're in the park as a visitor, you want to make sure you maintain that magic. And I think for, for me, that's carried over into my day job, <laughs> um, and, and what, what we do now. Um, and you know, you can never let something go. And, you know, if, if somebody else drops something or somebody's having a bad day, my tendency is then to help pick that up again. But you know, we can't do it today, but um, even when we go in now, <clears throat> there are times that I have to remind myself that there will be some cast member walking behind me to pick up the trash that we may have just passed um, in short order. Uh, and I don't have to pick it up anymore, but uh, um, uh, I, I'd like to say I don't, but uh, many times I'll end up um, bringing it closer to the garbage can or making sure it's it's somewhere else. But, you know, for me, it's 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 helping add to that that guest experience and and just being a part of that uh, even today That's i love great. that and think That's about great. like those pictures that terry's taking right it's like any moment at any place in the park somebody's taking that time capsule picture yes and the mm. last thing that you want to see on the ground is you know a wrapper or you know a coke bottle so that just really adds into that nostalgia because people are capturing life's moments and you've got to be so ready that that's fantastic to hear yeah that's great and a little bit of trivia here nicholas uh at disney world you are never more than how many feet from a trash can Ooh, terrence I'm going to say 25. Oh, my goodness. John, how many feet is it? Um, you know, I used to know this, but I um, totally forgot um, as far as how far uh, it is. I think it's six. Yep. So at Disney World, 
at any given moment, you were never more than six feet away from a trash can. What? Yep. What? I would much rather that park than my 25. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we'll talk about in another episode why they're six feet, but also also the uh, the fact that Walt didn't want to see the trash in his parks and, and why there's a there's actually a cover on it because it didn't used to be back in uh, uh, back in the 50s um, and it just that wasn't the thing uh, one of the, I think that's a, a great story to share with our listeners John you know that the behind the scenes stuff is always great and fascinating to learn more about um, let's talk kind of in that vein that behind the scenes that old school disney that nostalgia disney um something we wish disney would bring back i think this list is for lots of fans is pretty long and exhaustive uh there's so many things again the park is constantly changing it's a living place right they're they're constantly innovating they're they're constantly reinvigorating the parks they the draw of nostalgia is great but also, too, they realize that people year, you know, every year, every other year, every five years to bring you back, they need to keep the parks new and exciting. But for us kind of old school Disney fans, the nostalgia Disney fans, there's always something that that left us. So something new could come in that we wish they could find a way to bring back. Um, John, I, I, start, let's... I think we should start with you this time, Terry, because we've gone first all the other times. Okay. Okay. This is good. I, I like this because there is something that I remember experiencing at uh, Disney World one of the first couple of times we went. Um, and it's something that I dearly miss to this day. It's something that I wish, I wish I could take my kids to for them to experience because I, I thought it was totally an amazing experience. Uh, and that's the Osborne Festival of Lights at Hollywood oh, yes. Studios. Yes. I missed that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was such a great holiday experience, something that was so unique to Hollywood Studios. Um, just the scale and the wonderment of it, The when the music started and Trans-Siberia Orchestra is blasting and the lights are flickering, it was unlike anything else at Disney uh, at the time and still to this day I think is unmatched and unrivaled as far as a holiday experience goes interestingly I enough I yeah. think I messaged both of you at some point over the Christmas time but Silver Dollar City in Branson Missouri has it's not the spectacle of lights but they have that peace on earth they have the angels they have so much of that stuff um, but it, nothing ever would really come close to what they had at the parks absolutely and the fact that it just kept growing, it wasn't like they were satisfied with the first rendition of uh, of Osborne. They they kept bringing the family back to do more. When did they start putting up the lights? I'm sure one of you guys would know that. Like, how long did that process take to get that ready? It's right after uh, Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, that's when it was supposed to start. So they would pace it in after that. Jeez. Yeah, I, I think it's they start stringing, stringing lights the day after Thanksgiving. Because back then, you know, now you have these special events that kind of run up against each other. You go from Mickey's uh, Not-So-Scary Halloween Party to two weeks later rolling right into Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Um, 
you know, back when we were first going to Disney, it wasn't like that. You had bigger gaps in between kind of the holiday festivities of the parks. So I think I think that's I think that's right. They're right after Thanksgiving, the day after they start stringing the Osborne lights. And if yeah. Disney's anything like I am, you know, after a holiday, I'm just ripping the lights down, not caring if one breaks. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they secretly do the same thing, you know, to save money or they're just cutting them down in, in the effort of speed to get them down. That that's that's that behind the scenes stuff. I would love to see logistically how that stuff happens. I know they have these night crews that go in there and, and do this stuff in the parks. Uh, but just the, just think the, the sheer manpower and time it takes to it would have took to, to put up and take that stuff down is is incredible. One light goes out. Come on. You know, you know, the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole area goes out if the one light goes out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good light duty job right let's let's that's let's right. test everything that's yeah right. that, that that sounds like a, a college experience job right there all right nick what is uh what is something you wish disney would bring back you know um something when i was a kid and i always wondered how'd they do that and i recently watched a youtube video and i thought it looked pretty simple was 20,000 leagues under the sea. Mm. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, when we submerged in that submarine, I could have sworn, you know, we were miles and miles under the ocean and we were doing this thing. And I really wish that, you know, I could share that same moment with my kids. I remember looking at my dad going, are we really under the water? Are we really far down? How long is it going to take to come back up? And, you know, that's the experience that, that I, I vividly remember. So definitely 20,000 leagues. Wow, that's interesting. Because this is, you know, at Disneyland in California, you can still experience 20. Well, it's not 20,000 leagues. It's the seas with Nemo's and friends, yeah, right, John? Yeah, it's Nemo. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. And it's, what's interesting is that Disneyland, I think, being the originator still does a pretty good job of keeping some of those those nostalgia lines running probably more so than world does because it again it being the originator of all this but yeah um though it's not the same you can ride a version of that still to this day at uh, disneyland can i give one more oh please let me oh have please a yes <laughs> give, oh give mr toad's wild ride <laughs> that was such a classic to us the old jalopies that was the best it's true when they have it out at Disneyland too, but it's not the same. It's it's still it's, it still feels very different out there. It's good. It's just different. John, what would what would you bring back? What do you what do you think Disney should bring back? You know, as much as as much as I think the new gondola system is is interesting, I I really do miss the Skyway at the Magic Kingdom. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I tell you the you know. To get from one side of the park to the other without having to walk through the craziness that that is Peter Pan and Small World, um, that that was just a plus. <clears throat> but being being over the park and then looking down, that was just a fun experience. And um, having gone through that, it it's one of those things of you don't know you miss it till it's gone. But then you realize as an adult of oh yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea to hang these things to float over the park where people could just drop stuff down in somebody else's head or, or you lose a shoe or something else can happen. So or a kid. Yeah. Right. So overall, <laughs> it probably wasn't a, a good business idea, but you know, I do miss those for, for many different reasons, but you know, the, the least of which is that, you know, my family and I used to go on those and, um, 
it was just one of those rides of, of it was a transportation system and an attraction in one. Gotta say we, oh, go ahead, Terry. Oh, I was just going to say the amount of dull whips that probably fell out of those things is probably <laughs> unbelievable. Fall yes. into my mouth. Yes. <laughs> nice, nice. So I live in the Nashville area, but occasionally we'll go up to the mountains and we'll go to Gatlinburg. And, and just last year we went up one of those, you know, skyways up a mountain to get to another area of, uh, of that part. And I don't think I white knuckled it and grabbed my kid's arm for that 20 minute ride <laughs> harder. And like at the end, my dad, I can't feel my arm anymore. And I have a feeling that, you know, for parents it's that, Oh my gosh, they're going to fall. But for kids, it was like the best thing in the world. So, you know, for me, there's no love lost, but maybe, you know, maybe that's just me, but you know, I don't want to lose a kid. Oh, I'm going to challenge you here, Nicholas. Uh, there is still a, a remnant of that Skyway system. I know at that at Disney the end of world. fantasy world, fantasy land over by small world. Yeah. I've seen that. What did they repurpose? They created something new out of that something old. What is that something new? Wasn't that the castle? Wasn't that the Van uh, Von Stein castle or something over there? Am I am I the wrong part of the park? Uh, no, you're 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 in the the vicinity. It is the end of fantasy land as you're transitioning over into uh, that walkway towards Haunted Mansion. Um, as you're coming into Frontier, no, it's not Frontierland, John. What is it? It's uh... you're about to take that left and go under yep. that little that little bridgeway. Well, normally by that part, I'm yelling at our kids because you know we just come <laughs> off of Small World, so I haven't paid much attention. So I'd be interested in John's answer. They made a bathroom out of it. That's where the Tangled bathroom is. <laughs> is it? That's those exactly people, right. Those people that they. That's one thing that I would change about about the parks is 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 at least bring back the the the, the crazy uh, the crazy Skyway area, but you know, don't, don't make it into a bathroom. <laughs> it's a nice you bathroom, know, had, but <laughs> there's none in Colonial America. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man, but come on, man, show some respect for 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 the older attractions. <laughs> Uh, that part of the park, man, not to get off on a tangent, but that part of the park is such a pinch area. It is in the heat of summer and the height of of travel time. Like trying to get through that area is an absolute nightmare. It is. I have hit four ankles with our double stroller in that oh, area. Oh my gosh. Anywhere else in the park. It's a game oh. we play, maybe, maybe not, but <laughs> that area right there, that, that's the one where, you know, you always get that look and, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially when they we get so busy during the holidays when they start to to push you down. Oh, you got to you know, walk to the right, walk to the right. All right, well, that's nice, but there's no room to the right. So I'm going to walk to the left just a little bit so I can get to the right. Rule breaker. So let's keep this vein of thought going here. Uh, We talked about something we wish Disney would bring back. What is something we wish Disney would create? Um, Nick, I'd be interested in your take on this. Yeah, so, you know, my wife was very interested in, you know, some of the answers. She was looking over my shoulder this afternoon. I was kind of writing down, and she's like, well, she wanted christmas shows during the daytime at christmas time she didn't want to have to pay that special you know admissions fee and 
for me, um, before moving to the Nashville area, we lived in Pennsylvania, and they had a really good amount of parks. Sesame Place, Hershey Park. So I'd love to see something in the Northeast where we got to actually experience cooler weather at Halloween or cold weather at Christmas time to get you into the spirit. I know it's never going to happen, but, you know, I can always dream. Wow, interesting. Okay. So this is something I always thought... Um would be i think a missing thing for disney is that yes there's always going to be land and and world but i feel like there's still more opportunities for them to expand out a bit um you think about places like great great wolf lodge right like those those are destination resort places that families visit you know they have the fun theming they have some they have the water park inside i thought disney it would be great if they could kind of jump on that idea and create these standalone resorts in other parts of the country. I think that's a great idea. So you're saying your idea that you came up with was a great idea? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying Nick's, <laughs> Nick's idea is a great idea. Uh, oh, thanks, buddy. Sorry. I just had to throw it in there. Uh, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. Now I'm going to give you my great idea. So something I wish Disney would would create, and I'm thinking specifically of World because that's the destination we we go to the most. Um, you know, Disneyland I thought did I think does a great job with providing some play areas that World just doesn't have. And I'm thinking specifically of Grizzly Peak. If you've been yeah. to Disneyland, Grizzly Peak is this fantastic like oversized jungle gym right like is that how you would explain it john like it's yeah it's effectively just a giant play area there's rocks to climb on there's rope ladders there's sky bridges and it's all for kids just it's it's just one of those spots where like as a parent you can walk into that area it's self-contained and you can just let your kid run around like crazy and and burn off a little bit of that energy um especially for at the time we went when Addie was you know, all she was doing was she was in the stroller going from ride to ride, getting out, riding to ride, getting back in the stroller, not using a great deal of energy. So for her, it was a fun way to, to kind of play and experience the park differently. Um, I know well, in the also, past... It's also oh, time for you to take a break. I mean, it's... Oh, for sure. You get tired pushing around the stroller for a while and standing in lines and doing all these other things. So, yeah, that's that, that's a good idea. We do miss that because they took away a lot of benches. Um, at world these days um and you just enjoy it just sitting there watching people and then watching your children play yeah you know and at grizzly peak the th- the theming is incredible um the just the the fun factor is super high the kids are in there in that area having tons of fun um what's really cool about it is it's an educational experience too because along the kind of path you go to experience the different parts of grizzly peak they talk about native wildlife in california and it gives you some the kids a a kind of fun way to experience that you know here in the last couple years we've seen epcot add a couple of play areas uh, around the park there's one over there that used to be close to uh uh, that it's on that walkway as you're going to test track uh and then they added another one on that little kind of underutilized pathway between a world showcase going over there to the land area. Um, they put in a little playground, but I, I wish they would do more stuff like that, that a way kids could play 
in kind of the Disney experience, but without having to be on a ride to do that. Is that what the Swiss Family Treehouse is? Maybe I'm maybe I'm off. Is that kind of what that kind of is a play area for kids as well? I've never been on it. I hate heights, so you know <laughs> that's just me. It's it's uh, a nice area, but it's not as interactive. It's it's kind of a walkthrough, uh, yeah, walkthrough attraction. Yeah. Uh, okay. Got you. Yeah, there's not really an opportunity to stop and play and interact or anything. You're literally just walking through it and seeing it, and then coming out the other end of it. Okay. Um, yeah, they're really. It's not really meant to be a place for a kid to kind of get in there and and mess around. Um, and I know some people will point out that at Animal Kingdom they have the dinosaur area, where there's the big sand pit where they can dig for the bones and that kind of stuff, and that's great. I think. Again, they, they did a great job with the theming there, but I just wish there was a little bit more of that kind of stuff. John, close us out on this thought. What do you wish Disney would create? Well, I wish they would create a way to open the park even when you can't go. Um, but that's that's probably <laughs> not the right answer. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I thought a lot about this, and, and I think I think the I've seen so much of what they've had and what they – they took away, they brought back. Um, I really do wish that they would um, uh, create a uh, a way for you to go back and experience some of those attractions that they uh, that they they've taken away. And you know, it's not it, it's not the same watching it on YouTube. Um, the, those those shots are pretty uh, pretty shoddy. Um, <laughs> so you know, getting in the quality is just not great. And I know a lot of other people have have come up with idea that idea of uh, of a classic park that type of thing. Um, I don't think it needs to be a classic park, but maybe a, a, a just a pavilion where you're able to go in and virtually experience some of these things. Um, they're doing some great things at Epcot to demonstrate how they're going to transform the park into this uh, this experience for guests. But it would also be great if they use that same technology and brought you back to to some of the uh, the attractions you had. Now you're you're going to see that it's maybe not as great as you remember it. Like the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, it really was just little puppets that they stuck underneath, and you know it. it it, it didn't look as great now. And this is where, you know, you get to Nemo and it, it's not the same, but it's the nostalgia. It's the remembrance of how things were and the stories that you can tell your kids as a result of it. And, you know, I, I really do wish that they would find a way to bring that sense of nostalgia back in uh, without sacrificing uh, the growth of, of the new products. Uh, I think that that would bring the families a little bit closer together and help with, with the storytelling that, that they had as well. You just said something there that I find really interesting, John. At any point in your time as a cast member, was there any talks of building an, a, a fifth park, say, at World that was just kind of that Disney of old, where all the old kind of rides they could theme? I really find that a fascinating idea that it would be kind of a, a classic Disney World where all the old stuff gets reinvented brought back not reimagined brought back in its kind of original state that's such an intriguing idea to me yeah you know there's a lot of talk about uh, from guests but i never heard anything internally and you know they may have they may have said something about it but it just wasn't in the circles i was in i really wish that they would have would have thought about that but i think now that we're just a little bit too too far from building that that fifth gate um, to do that 
because you know you do have to put other mechanisms in place now just from safety um if you look at some of those <laughs> those uh um the ways that we used to get strapped in or or, or contain um probably wasn't the right idea but but i think with with something virtual it'll be a little bit better and not take up as much space as a as a fifth gate would wow okay Fry up some foods and some hydrogenated oil. You know, there you go. There you go. Oh wait, that's a turkey leg. Oh wait, that's something else. Never mind. <laughs> I've never seen a turkey's leg that big. I don't know what's where, where it's going on there. But hey, I I'm I'm drawing the line. Don't don't say anything bad about it. Like, you know, I don't want to know what it is. I don't care what it is. It's the most amazing thing in all the parks. Uh, I'm just going to call it turkey. <laughs> there you go. You know, we're coming to the end of the, the episode here, but in this, if we're pie in the sky, if we're still wishing things Disney would do, let's talk about something we wish Disney would change. And I'll, and I'll jump off here. I'll start us off here. You know, for me, when we first started going to Disney World, it was very likely that you could turn the bend going into you know, a different part of the park and, ex- and experience something, uh, be it a live kind of character meeting or a, you know, I, I think of here recently more, a recent example was Push the Talking Trash Can or the, the Muppets Mobile Lab, like just randomly coming upon that stuff as you're exploring the parks. For me, early on was such a cool way to really plus the experience it was something that was un, unnecessary, un, not necessary, not something you, you would think you want. But once you've experienced it, you're like, yeah, why? Why doesn't more of this kind of stuff exist? And I feel like as Disney again is evolving and ever looking forward, some of that stuff is starting to fall to the wayside, and they're not, they don't do those kind of experiences anymore. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I- yeah, I miss those those experiences myself. That's what we used to go to the park for. What a bonus, right? It's like something that you don't have to wait in line for, something that you weren't expected, but you ended up walking away going, wow, that was really cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it was just that little extra little fairy dust, right, that, you, that really plus your experience for the day. Uh, I remember the first time going to Rafiki's Planet Watch way back when, and there was this trash can that these people were standing around and I had no idea what they were doing. And I would just walked up to it and they were talking to the trash can. And I thought, <laughs> wow, what a complete random bit of my day. And it just, it left me with a smile. It, it was such a great kind of takeaway. The rest of Rafiki's planet watch was, was a complete, like, I don't remember anything that happened there, but I, to this day, I still remember that, that trash can. Or the, the custodian artists that are painting with water, you know, just random places around the park, right? Using that the ground as their canvas, stuff like that. I agree. Yeah, hopefully they they bring more of that back when they they come back. That's that's the that's the plusing the experience or um, the the shadow behind the lamp um, that that they had in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So um, it's always you have to plus it because if you don't. You're just going to another. You're just going to another amusement park, and that's definitely not what what Walt had intended. Yeah, John, let's go. Let's go. Let's have you go next. What is something you wish Disney would change? Well, I'll make it simple. I wish they would not make those the Skyway, the bathrooms over in 
We've closed that loop. Just that. That's it. That, yeah, that, that's the only thing I wish is that they would just change that back to the Skyway instead of going into the restrooms. They're again, they're nice restrooms. They're probably the nicest in the park, but just 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 put back the other uh, uh, Swiss Alp building that, <laughs> that that they had there. Nice. And Nick, close us out on this thought. Absolutely. Two words, park capacity. Um, we mm-hmm. mentioned pinch points. It seems like everywhere I turn, you know, it's just more people and more people and more people. And it's been really hard as of late to, you know, find myself being able to enjoy and being comfortable with my four very small kids when there is just wall to wall people at every turn. And, you know, I understand with everything going on, if they want to, you know, back down on park capacity, that's fantastic. As long as they're one of the people in the park. That's an interesting thought there. I think, um, you know, it, it feels like there used to be a time, you know, for, for my wife and I, when we traveled to the to world, there was always that certain time of year where we could rely on, oh, yeah, this is a great time to go because the parks are capacity-wise are like a five or six. You can walk on the every ride. You know, you're not jam-packed in there. But I feel like those days are gone now. There's not yeah. many real kind of slow times to world and land anymore yeah it's like every moment is like when the three o'clock parade lets out but it's it's all day it's it's and so that's near and dear to our hearts well from what we've been hearing they may be coming back um with less capacity so that uh, they can account for the social distancing components so uh hopefully uh, that will last a little bit beyond uh the initial um the initial push there that's great. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to see just again, it, you know, you spend so much of your your personal you're 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 investing your personal time and expenses into going somewhere and you want it to be the best experience you can. You know, fortunately, my family and I were in a position where we we go to Disney World multiple times a year. So even though if we don't get to do something, we know next time around six months, three months, five months, whatever, we're going to get to try to experience it. But you know, I think about those families who go to world maybe once every five years or once every eight years, you know, and there isn't a good time anymore to go that you would get to experience all the things you want, regardless if you take advantage of the fast pass system or not, you know, unless you're willing to, you know, do rope drop in the morning and and do command, Rambo it and all day and stay all night like you. It's it's hard to experience everything you would like to while you're there. Yeah, especially with the longer lines. So hopefully that that is something that adjusts um, once once things come back online. It'll be great to see. Well, guys, we've talked for probably longer than we intended. Uh, we the people listening at home. We hope we've it's been a fun experience, a fun jumping back in point. You know, I'd like to close this out with something that. I think Disney is, is doing it in these times that we're in right now where we can't go to the parks. We can't travel into that greater area. Um, how they're keeping fans engaged. And, and I feel like Disney has always been pretty, have done a pretty good job of this. But here lately, um, you know, if you go and follow the various Disney social media streams, you know, the Instagram and Facebook. And if you're looking at YouTube or you know, however you interact with Disney, they're putting in these little experiences to help you bring some of that magic into your home. 
and John and Nick, I, I, I asked the question, have either of you utilized or, or done any of that stuff with your kids and with your families? It's the first I'm hearing about it, and I'm interested to learn more. <laughs> well, I can tell you, as an annual pass holder, uh, they have some great tools that uh, that they have out there now um, that are right within the My Disney Experience app. Um, you know, just just looking through it as we're talking here, but things that we've used are they've added some uh, additional pictures. Uh, since you can't go to the park, they've added some of their stock photos that that you can download and actually put on the background of of your computer, your your iPad, your 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 phone, whatnot. Um, but they also have have little videos to to learn how to draw certain things um, either at the park or some of the characters. The one that's that's on there today is is a. Uh, um, uh, drawing a train from Big Thunder Mountain Ra- Railroad. They have this whole video on how, how to do it. And um, it, it's good because, you know, our, our kids are, are pretty creative. So they like those type of things. They'll watch those videos and then they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll show us the, the paintings or the drawings that they end up doing. So I think that that's, that's, been, that's been cool because, you know, even though they'll extend the annual passes for however long they're closed, they have we have this other connection to um to the parks that that we wouldn't otherwise have just because the app is there that's perfect so something we've been doing is uh, my daughter really loves to watch uh youtube videos of the rides at disney world um one she likes to actually see the point of view ride throughs but two we do that as a way to talk about the rides we want to ride the next time we can go back to the parks um, she gets a, a kick out of it. She's been watching a lot of the parades, the fireworks shows. You know, if you follow Disney's Disney World's uh, channel on YouTube, they've been doing a great job here lately of of putting their, you know, Festival of Fantasy parades, their new parades out in Disneyland with their brand new floats, a bunch of ride throughs. You know, the new stuff like uh, Mickey's Runaway Train and and the new Star Wars rides and. And, and speaking of the My Disney Experience app, they've been adding recipes that you can make at home. Uh, we've taken advantage of two of those recipes they posted. We made Pog Juice this past weekend, which uh, those who have traveled to the world have been to Animal Kingdom or the Polynesian. You know what Pog Juice is. Um, and they put the Dole Whip recipe out. So we've made Dole Whip. Wait, what? They, you can, they put it out there, man. It's out there. Uh, the Dole Whip recipe is on the My Disney Experience app. Uh, and we made it this past weekend. It was fantastic. All right, let's hurry this up. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so we shouldn't mention that they've also shared the churros uh, recipe as well and grilled cheese. Oh, next time we talk, I'll be about 310. But <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. Well, guys, it's been another great episode. We hope you enjoyed it at home. We're looking forward to getting back into this and, and talking and, and sharing and and reminiscing about all things Disney. We appreciate your time. And uh, till next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us.